In today's episode, we have the team from Volunteer Guitar Connection, a ground-up group, to speak with us about their experience of leadership succession. Welcome to Crafting Communities, your companion in your journey to shape a better experience for the community that you care about. I'm your host, Grace, and today we have E.T. and Jeremy to share with us more about the inner workings of their volunteer musicians. Hi, E.T. and Jeremy. Welcome to today's episode of Crafting Communities. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for being here with us today. So to begin, could you share a bit about Volunteer Guitar Connection? So Volunteer Guitar Connection, or VGC in short, is an informal volunteer group. And we started in, I think, 2004. Back then, it was kind of a different world from today, I suppose. (laughs) And the volunteers who founded it were actually volunteering in elderly homes. And they were regular volunteers and they realized that, hey, you know, when you walk into an elderly home, all you hear is basically silence or you hear, you know, the, the fan on the wall. I think music is something that is very rare in those days. I mean, back then we didn't have like Spotify or like probably karaoke systems were not like that savvy as well, right? So <laughs> the founders of the, the group really wanted to see how to bring live music into elderly homes. And that was when they started playing the guitar, right? So a couple of them just started playing the guitar for one another in the homes, performing for the elderly. And uh, more and more volunteers came on board because they said, hey, you know, that sounds fun. You know, that's something that we can bring to more homes. So that's where the movement spread. Lah. And I think what's magical about that was that it was really informal and ground up. And after a couple of years, uh, they realized that this is something that not just the elderly sector needs. Even in other VWOs, say in children's homes, this is where music is largely non-existent because you may not have volunteers coming in to teach children how to play music or sing and all that. And that is where I think the vision of VGC really came to life, uh, where the founders and the volunteers really wanted to see how we could ensure that nobody is deprived of music regardless of their background and circumstances. That's very cool. Is everyone in VGC a guitarist? Like, do you have to be a guitarist to join VGC? <laughs> we do have an entry criteria, lah, right? And now I think it's musician. Eh? Jeremy can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, it's uh, not necessarily guitar. So we have a couple of volunteers who actually play the ukulele as well. And even the keyboard. Yeah, I mean, a number of our volunteers also mentioned, like, why is it volunteer guitar connection? Why don't we change it to volunteer music connection? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point because we really focus on, you know, using music as a tool for, for bringing happiness, yeah. So although our name is Volunteer Guitar Connection and we teach guitar to volunteers predominantly, we do welcome everyone who are able to contribute through music, uh, be it using any instrument, the ukulele, even Chinese traditional instruments. There are some who actually play the kuzheng or the erhu. So there's no boundaries to that, nice. to using music. And what are your roles, Iti and Jeremy? I'll start first because like, mine is more of a history <laughs> than Jeremy's. I joined VGC in 2009. So that's more than a decade ago. And I was with, I think, most of the pioneer volunteers who kind of set up some of the processes as well as the things that we wanted VGC to be like. Yeah, I was chairperson of the group uh, for a couple of years. So that was back then in 2010 to 2015 or so. And that was also when we started some of the elections and the leadership succession planning. 
Yeah, and very happy that Jeremy joined us later on about, was it 2017? Yeah, and that was when he also took over leadership from one of our very passionate volunteers. Yep, so myself, as you see mentioned, I joined in about, in I think, late 2017 and to 2018, yeah, around there. That started as a regular volunteer. I was joining uh, VGC's programs. The main one is to uh, strum and sing and bring joy to the beneficiaries at the nursing homes. Yeah, so I've been doing that for, uh, I think, 2018, 2019. Uh, joined a couple of the events, including the charity concert. That's where I met E.T. I think towards the end of 2019, then I got the opportunity to step up and serve in the committee. And I've been uh, serving as a chairperson since then. Yeah, so that's uh, about two and a half. Wait, is it two and a half years? Yeah, yeah. Something around there. So Jeremy is the current chairperson of VGC and E.T. was a previous chairperson of VGC many years ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> E.T., why is it important to set up a leadership succession plan? So back then, when I first stepped up to lead VGC, it was a very informal process. So it was just the previous chairperson approaching me and asking, hey, would you mind leading a group and helping us chat? where we wanted to go and work with the various committee members. And it was a couple of years that made us realise that actually that wasn't quite sustainable because in a volunteer group especially, I think we have volunteers from very, very diverse backgrounds. And that also means that all of us lead uh, very different lives and have very different schedules and obviously very uh, differing um, extent of commitment levels. So very often we would have volunteers who are very passionate to serve um, but may not have the time to do so and also some volunteers who are very very good and competent but not being able to commit right to a leadership role so that also got us thinking as to how um, we should sustain our group because the committee is very essential I think in helping us run the operations of the group ensuring that there's recruitment going on that volunteers are coming in there are trainers to help us uh, run some of the programs that we are doing for the VWOs. We are also, we have logistics to take care of. You know, when we go for performances, either charity performances or even performing in the homes, we need equipment. And all that requires a group of passionate volunteers, not just to serve, but also to run the operations on a consistent basis. La. So I think that that was when uh, we thought we needed to establish some kind of process to develop our volunteers, to develop talent, and also explore how we can develop leadership at all levels. So it's not just about, you know, the committee and the chairperson or vice chairperson, right? It was also about how we could bring volunteers in to be leaders and lead various aspects, right? Be it on a formal or informal basis. You talked about the committee, right? How do you decide what were the roles needed in your committee? The roles are driven by the programs that we have and the needs and the situation of the volunteering scene goes back to our mission of uh, bringing the joy of music, sharing the joy of music to the less privileged. In the past, I think our previous chairperson set up this program called Regular Volunteering Program. I think just really recently, like in 2009, that program essentially helped us to really focus on our mission and deliver it on a more regular basis uh, rather than on an ad hoc and uh, inconsistent basis. Regular Volunteering Program is where we Essentially, just strum and sing, bring live music to nursing homes and to the patients at, at, at the community hospitals here. Yeah. And that kind of uh, set up its own program. And that's where we need people to run the program. And that's where we have 
the role of the regular volunteering program I see. So similarly, that's how it goes for the other programs as well. Like we will need an events IC because there was a need to occasionally carry out ad hoc stage performances. And because of stage performances, then that's why we need to have a logistics IC, someone to take care of the equipment. So it's really driven by the needs of the community and how we can serve, uh, how we can uh, you know, bring across our mission and serve the, the less privileged. Yeah, and sorry, just to add, right, I think it also, I mean, if you think about the vision, right, if you want nobody to be deprived of the joy of music and you need people to bring the joy of music to beneficiaries, then those questions form, right? How do you get the volunteers, right? So that's where you need someone to recruit and manage recruitment and people to publicize the course. So that's where Mm. you need like publicity and someone to be in charge of that. So everything I think is goes back to how we want to fulfill our mission and how we can get more volunteers on board to help us achieve that. Thanks, UT and Jeremy. I'm going to shift the conversation now a bit more into the leadership succession process. How did you decide that elections were the way to go about with establishing the next batch of leaders? It may not be the best way, right? It's something that we explored and has served us well. So I think that's just something to keep in mind, right? It may not work for everyone. And I guess in many organizations or even like societies, right, when they are established, a lot of uh, groups have something like a process, like the elections. And I suppose for us, it was important because when the group grew, I mean, we used to be like a couple, like 10, 20 volunteers. And now I think we've grown to quite a sizable number, right? What's the number? Like how many do you have now, Jeremy? Yeah, up to, we have more than 200 members. Uh, oh, yeah, but at any point in time, there's like about 30 active volunteers. La. Yeah, yeah, I think at, at our peak, maybe in 2015 or something, it went up to like four, 500 at a time. So it's, I mean, approaching someone that you know is a good way to, I mean, get someone to step up. But it didn't mean that we knew everyone, right? Like we didn't know everyone's interests, everyone's skills, everyone's aspirations. And that was where the election served us well because uh, there was a nomination process, right? Yeah. Uh, where members invited to nominate someone, they could nominate themselves as well. And that gives us a sense of, you know, who's interested and willing to step up for yeah. one. And more importantly, I think it's important to kind of create that awareness and desire for volunteers to serve in other ways, right? If they feel that this is something that they want to do. I think it's really great that y'all chose elections as the format to go forth with. So I think when people think of elections, it's something that happens within a school context, right? Like student council nominations, student council elections, or you think like GRC, parliamentary elections kind of concept. But I think it's very cool how as as a voluntary group that exists, totally run by volunteers, that elections was the mode that y'all chose. I also really appreciate what you expressed about how it's an opportunity for people to step up if they're not so involved but they know that with this election cycle or this, it's an opportunity for them to join the committee or get more involved if they would like to. That's right. Um, I think in the volunteering space, it's also a challenge. For the first few times we ran elections, like nobody wanted to join, right? (laughs) And I suspect even today, we might have a similar issue because everyone is so busy and it is commitment, right? On top of what you're already doing for the community. Like, Monday to Friday, you work. Saturday to Sunday, maybe one of the days you spend your family and the other day, maybe you dedicate to volunteering. And if you step out as a volunteer leader, 
Yeah, it's yeah. just that you have to find even more time, right? Carve out time to do that additional bit to help the group move to a better place. So I would say it's challenging. Yeah, and we're still continually exploring to see how we can expand opportunities for our volunteers to serve, even if it's not in a formal way, like in a committee. So I think that's something important to also consider. Yeah, I guess that's where, you know, the election by and kind of voting by the community helps, right? Because if, let's say, a group of people voted for you, it could kind of like uh, give you a bit of a, a vote of confidence to that, you know, like people kind of like trust you to step up. In a way, you kind of get peer pressured. No, not really peer pressured. <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, it's your, your choice to step yeah. up. But in a way, also like, it's not like we are being handpicked by someone from the top and it's not really biased per se. So I think the election, in a way, I think without the election, right, I probably won't be in the committee okay. uh, because EC doesn't know me at all before the, <laughs> yeah, the election. And, and if she, yeah. she were to handpick people, then she probably won't handpick me. Yeah, she so didn't even I, know I guess, that you existed. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I would have handpicked you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I trust you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess it's a good thing in a way. It's like eliminates bias and gives like equal opportunity to uh, people across the board, yeah, volunteer yeah. groups. I think the voting process is great because it gives the community ownership. It gives the incoming leadership team a strong mandate and members also make an active decision about who they think would make a good leadership team. How do you make it less intimidating for someone who decides to run for elections? Okay, so I think that yeah. the decision-making itself and really considering whether or not you have the time and bandwidth and all that, I think that takes careful consideration and probably some time. If you have a family, maybe you want to talk to them, right? I mean, obviously you're not running for MP, but <laughs> it does take up quite a, quite a bit of time. Our election is pretty much like a usual election, but probably less formal. So we would call for nominations and people have a window to uh, nominate themselves or nominate someone else. And once that, that window closes, we would write to all the nominees and say, hey, you know, you were nominated. And if you accept, could you give us a short write-up about yourself? And that just helps us put it out before the day of elections. And on election day, yeah, people just turn up. I mean, the last round, we ran it virtually. So members, as well as the nominees, turned up. They kind of shared a little bit of what they do and why they want to serve. And then the voting was done, yeah, online. So quite straightforward. Nothing too fancy, you know, like campaigning and... Yeah, <laughs> not really, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I... also primarily, yeah, also primarily because of not a lot of candidates per se who are fighting for the spot volunteers serve across the island right and we are gathered i mean pre-covid days we would gather for gatherings and just learning from one another yeah but like pretty much across the whole year across the weekends we are all serving in different locations yeah so campaigning is going to be a bit tough i think <laughs> you mentioned that you asked the volunteers to submit names well that's that's the start of the process right and then based on the number of names that you submitted, then you will kind of be shortlisted and then you will reach out to the shortlisted candidates and ask, hey, you've been nominated, would you like to run for the position and all? And then if you agree to it, then you write, do a, a short, uh, I mean, a write-up. And then, yeah, you tell them that, you know, whoever has the, the largest number of votes, you'll be the chairperson and then the second largest will be the vice chair. So I think for the receiving side of things, it's 
not as taxing as the one running it, like EC is running it. I think he does okay. a lot more of the heavy lifting of the running the election process. But the one who's on the receiving side, like myself, I simply have to provide the write-up and then kind of attend the election day. And yeah, I guess that's it. Like, you know, introduce yourself. And then I mean, most I... of the work happens after the election day. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where, you know, reality sets in. Yeah. <laughs> when you have actually stepped up and the handover yeah, yeah, process yeah. has begun. Correct, correct. So, so I think it's interesting because now we're talking about the operations of what it goes into facilitating the next level of leadership succession. I'm curious, E.T., what do you look for in a potential successor? Or what were you looking for? I think in the earlier days, it was pretty much whoever could help take over. I mean, when you have a very small group and you need someone with a very, very high commitment, I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of hard, especially um, for adults, right? But putting that aside, I think what was very clear to us, and we, we do have a mentor, Siu Wing. He was the founder and with a couple of the pioneer volunteers. I think what, what's very important for a leader is that he or she clearly understands why VGC exists why our, it's so important that our organization is still around and doing what we do. La. So earlier on, if we think about what VGC does, just on a very, like how it looks, right? It's really just going about strumming and singing at the different elderly homes. And it's very easy to kind of expand and do a lot of other things. And I guess the role of the chairperson is to also give people a sense of the importance and that their impact. And that is something I don't think we can lose sight of if we want to continue to be around in the next 5 to 10 years. What was most challenging about finding a successor? I think what's most challenging about finding a successor... Actually, Jeremy can answer that question also because he's looking for a successor <laughs> in the next year yeah. or so. It's a good chance to publicize, right? Whoever yeah. wants to stop up, <laughs> may apply right now. <laughs> yeah, no, let me have a thing. Let yeah. me have a thing. Jeremy, we have anything you can... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess what's most challenging that we see right now it's someone who has the willingness la, to step up, who's kind of like show the initiative. There are a couple of people who really embodies BGC, the mission and, and, and everything, like yeah. But then the, unfortunately as he mentioned, not all of them are available and you know they have other commitments and all or rather they just or rather they choose to play a a more uh, secondary role, like uh, probably just as a volunteer or support in the back ends. But maybe finding someone who both have the combination of embodying the vision and mission, the spirit of VGC, and also have the capacity and willingness to step up, probably it will take time to find. Yeah, and it's something that we are trying to do mainly by probably involving some volunteers now and then to take up some mini roles, mini projects along the way, and hopefully they can grow and take on bigger responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could, like, if I could reframe that question a bit. I think the larger question here is how, how do we create the conditions for a leader to surface, right? How do you create the conditions for someone who is willing to take on the leadership position to thrive, right? When he or she decides to take the plunge and commit himself or herself to the cause. And I think that's, that's why I hesitate a bit because when you talk about creating conditions, it's, it's not just about the person, right? And I believe that as long as there's somebody who is uh, very passionate about the cause, it is our role as mentors or as more senior volunteers to then figure out how we can help that person uh, grow 
And that has to happen even before that person steps up as a leader, right? So once you step in as a volunteer, all of us are leaders in our own right, right? Because we are serving the community in, in our, our various ways. And the question is then, how do we help communicate and help all our volunteers see that the role of leadership is important and there are varied ways to serve, right? I think even in everyday acts of volunteerism, when you interact and work with diverse individuals, that takes skill, right? That's an art. And it's not just about the music you play, but also how you work with the rest of your band members, the rest of your volunteers. How do you show up, right? Uh, so it really starts from day one, I suppose, and ensuring that we have the right conditions for all our volunteers to flourish, um, for all our volunteers to understand the meaning of being a VGC volunteer and understanding why we exist. I think that's really crucial and it's, that's the challenge, I think. Because, and if you do that well, I think that's where we wouldn't worry about the leader, lah, right? Because whoever steps up will be well supported by a good team. Right, and whoever steps up can also see the meaning of what he or she does, and I think that's that's absolutely important. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jeremy. Why did you agree to step up as the new leader of VGC? Why I agreed to step up is because, firstly, you know, I VGC's mission and and vision resonated with me, and VGC has really enriched my life through my volunteering with with our beneficiaries, you know, and, and meeting new friends. So that's why I feel like it's an opportunity for me to give back and carry VGC forward as well, yeah. And finally, I'm also humbled la, by the votes and the trust the other volunteers have in me. So that's this um, gave me the confidence to take it up as well. A lot of people, when given an opportunity to step up in leadership, sometimes feel very scared, like they don't feel that they are ready for what is to come. Mm. Um, how did you know that you were ready? I was also scared, yeah. So the, 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 I think feeling scared to step up to something bigger than yours self is natural. Before, yeah, stepping out into the role, I was always interested in leadership as a personal development as well. So I guess it's also like an opportunity for me to put my knowledge into practice. Yeah, so I was both scared, but at the same time, also excited. I knew that I wanted to do it. Yeah, so it's not something that I dread. So that's how you kind of know that you want to do it. Like you are excited by the prospect of it. Mm. Yeah. How did you establish your leadership upon taking over? Stepping up as a chairperson is kind of a big deal, right? So like everyone, you're kind of in charge of everyone now. I think firstly, being voted helps. It shows that, it goes back to the election system, goes to show that the vote of confidence that I got from the volunteers kind of like gave me an easier time to step into the role. And then I also initiated uh, several activities to bring the team together, things like workshops and to help plan out, chart out uh, the direction of the team. So I guess that's how I also demonstrated my skills and abilities. So to kind of establish my credibility a bit as well. And also, I guess, you know, with leadership, you also must listen to your people. Uh, it's not just like top-down ordering, but you also must like listen to uh, what other people are telling you. So mm. I guess uh, showing listening skills and showing empathy to teammates is also important. Iti, how did the mentors and advisors of VGC help Jeremy as a new leader establish his leadership when he stepped up? <laughs> I don't think he needed us to help establish him <laughs> as a leader. <laughs> I, I say, no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite an interesting question, right? Do you need to establish your leadership or, or not? Right? And what do you do when you don't establish your leadership? What does that look like? And I don't have a good answer actually, but 
I suppose one thing that came to my mind was credibility. And I think credibility is not just about people voting you in, right? Because even if you, you are voted in and you don't demonstrate those qualities that people thought you had, yeah, it's not going to work, right? <laughs> but how I think uh, Jeremy and many, many passionate leaders, many passionate volunteers of VGC stepped up was really to show how we bring diverse people together, right? Um, and being put into a leadership position, I don't think it just means you, you call the shots, right? You say what you say people do. But it's really about bringing together all the diverse viewpoints and trying to figure out, so where do we go from here? And what's our common dream, right? What is it that we want to do together as a team in the two years, right? And I think that's something that Jeremy also did very well. I mean, he mentioned things like, you know, workshops and bringing a team together. But I think what he didn't mention was how, you know, he listened and also how he reached out to the rest of VGC, right? So I think that's really important when, when you first step up as a leader is to figure out where everybody is at so that you can help everybody move to a better place and somewhere that people actually want to be, right? If you could go back in time, would you have done anything differently for leadership succession? On my part, I think knowledge management is something that's very important, <laughs> which I wish I could have improved on in my time. So Jeremy can say a bit more about that. I think he's, he's done quite a great job when he took over. Jeremy, you want okay. to share? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think when we took over, there was a gap in the processes. Not really a gap in the processes, but more of like the, the handover, there was some missing knowledge and gaps and information that we have to really dig out. And then that's where the team kind of decided that, hey, I think moving forward, we should maybe document our processes to see ways to improve, find ways to improve the process. And that's why we started this like guidebooks. And then it turns out that the guidebooks actually, we will intend to use the guidebooks also for future transfers and handovers. Yeah, so that's where we came about the guidebooks because we had to do a lot of digging when we took over the team and understanding and things like that, yeah. Nice. So are these guidebooks now like a Google Doc? Yeah, it's just a Google Doc. Yeah, it's a humble Google Doc uh, that will keep getting updated along the way Mm. Yeah, as uh, things change, especially now with COVID-19, the different processes here and there. So it's an evolving document that will keep changing. Google Doc is a good tool since it's a collaborative thing that next generations of VGC leaders can keep updating. Yeah, and it's free. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, going back to your question, Grace, I think there is something else that I might do differently. And I guess in the early days, we were very focused on really running the operations. And a lot of the time uh, spent in committee meetings were discussing work, right, basically. And after, you know, like a decade or so in the group, I was reflecting on my experience and I realized that the things that I learned and what I took away most with me were the people, like the relationships. And that's why uh, I also keep telling Jeremy, right, regardless of what we do, let's kind of uh, make more friends, help our volunteers get along, make friends and develop relationships because in five to ten years, the work is going to evolve, right? How VGC looks will be different, but it's really the people that we've met along the way and how, you know, we have really made friends and that's going to last us a long way. And yeah, and that's also what is going to make the group strong in 5, 10 years, 20 years. If I could go back in time, probably spend a bit more time on getting to know each other better, getting to know our volunteers and yeah, making friends. Lah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I was still about to say the same thing as well. The people that I met along the way uh, in VGC that makes it meaningful. And that's why I want to step up also lah, because VGC has enriched my life in many ways. Yeah, apart from the joy that I get when I make others happy through music, it's also the friends that I make. And the people that we meet here in volunteering is almost as real as you can get because it's the shared purpose of doing good that brings us together and like drops all the agendas, you know. That's like you sometimes have with people in your workplace. You might have different agendas, but in volunteering, everyone's here to do good. And I guess that's where you can make the best friends. What would be one piece of practical advice that you would like to give our listeners today who are thinking about leadership succession? Something that you can apply first thing tomorrow morning. Um, I suppose it's something that I talked about just now, which was really think about the conditions that will enable our volunteers or uh, everyone to take up leadership roles, regardless of whether they are actually in a leadership position. So take care of the people, and I think the rest will take care of themselves. Okay, just so just to uh, continue in Yiti's point, I was about to say also, like, uh, you can start delegating work, like choose maybe one piece of the project that is maybe safe to fail and give it to someone, maybe a, a volunteer for him or her to help out and see how it goes, you know. Then that's how you build leaders. That's one piece. That's easy's piece, actually. <laughs> so uh, another piece I can share is probably you can <laughs> you can start like guidebooks, maybe since we're in the topic of guidebooks. Yeah. So if you haven't had any documentation of your process, so maybe it's a good time to do so. Uh, you can do an exercise called values tree mapping. Something that I learned recently. Something that will help make your process more efficient to eliminate waste in the process to make things more efficient. Yeah. Great advice. Thanks so much, Jeremy and Et, for joining us on this episode. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. And we're done. That's the end of our Leadership Succession segment. Next episode, we're moving along the community journey to talk about what happens when someone decides to move on. See you then.